Reverend Dr. Marisha Stewart. What an absolute pleasure talking to her. Uh, she helps mostly women with trauma, with divorce, with separation, with um, you know, many traumatic um, events. She has a great podcast, the Lioness Queen podcast, where she talks about that. Um, she's helped so many. She She's a reverend as well, so she comes from, she has a strong spiritual background. Uh, but I ask her one particular point, what if, you know, the person that wants to be helped isn't spiritual? What do you do? And, uh, you know, the great discipline it takes to help others. So it doesn't, doesn't really matter. But uh, she's just got a warm smile. She has faced adversity. She's turned it around. And she helps others. This is what I believe the mark of a uh, truly you know, wonderful, inspiring individual. Uh, to, to help them you know, cure it and themselves is one thing, to deal with it, but to turn it around and try to help others. As she says, show them the toolbox so they can decide what tool is going to work best. But really great conversation. Uh, she's from my daughter's alma mater from Maryland, University of Maryland. Just a great conversation. I really enjoyed talking to her. I, I know you're going to enjoy it as well. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change. Discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family, in their passion, in their careers, and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. Enjoy learning about you, and I enjoy your podcast as well. And, uh, and uh, I can't wait to talk to you. So, is there a role? How can men help in women's trauma? Be honest. Mm. <laughs> uh, be honest. Um, I think that is, I was interviewed before mm. by another male. And, um, and he said, you know, I think we struggle with that. We want to be nice. Mm. We want to do the right thing, but sometimes doing the right thing goes against really what they really want to do. And some, you know, either way it's going to cause pain, mm. but just being honest, I think in a nutshell, will just help the situation. It doesn't change it, but it will help. And so I, I would always say honesty. Very interesting. And 
even if they're a friend or they're a brother or a cousin or, you know, a relative or something like that, just being honest as to what the situation is, whatever they can do to help, to support. And that's really the best way I, I can see how, you know, trying to sugarcoat things, they may think help, but perhaps it doesn't. It doesn't. That's, it, just, uh, it just, it just doesn't. It, you know, I, I kind of wish, so for myself, I was with my ex-husband for 24 years wow. and, um, ever since I was 18 and, um, after my, my son was born, you know, he, we separated and that was the beginning of him basically saying, I really didn't want this. And, you know, 14 years later, it resurfaced. So what he felt early on was real. Hmm. Um, but I think he just felt, he felt pressure from other people. I think that's the other piece. You feel pressure um, to do the right thing. You know, you just got married. You just bought a house. You just had a baby. But all of those things kind of snowballed so fast. I think he couldn't catch up. And he was in a space where he he wasn't ready. And it just came all out, you know, again. And so I just wish that was the one thing that I wish because time was wasted. Mm. But in the same regard, would I have been ready? No. But then, you know, I might have met someone else. I might have had, been able to have more children. Um, you know, things, you know, my life could have went different. But um, just being honest and, and being open and upfront is just it's just key. Key. Very interesting. And when you help primarily women go through such trauma like separation and divorce, and uh, what is what is the biggest obstacle that they face? Themselves. Hmm. Yeah, we we are our we are our biggest enemy, and it is between our ears, our mindset. Um, we focus so much on the pain, we don't see an escape. We don't see the support. We don't see um, all of the things really that we have to help us through it. We just hyper-focus on the pain. You know, uh, it's like somebody with, um, I don't know if you ever heard this before, um, but people with ADHD, you know, their mind is going, always going. But if there's something that they're really interested in, they can hyper-focus where it, it appears that they don't even have it. And so that's the piece where we can hyper-focus so much on our pain. We don't see anything else, you know, and, and that is, that is the place where I try to help women to realize and recognize it starts with you and what you are thinking about. You can't think about two things at the same time. Mm. You just cannot. And so typically we gear and focus on the pain more than anything else. There's a First Nation proverb where, um, you know, you chase one rabbit, you get one rabbit. If you chase two rabbits, you get zero rabbits. Yeah, because you can't. You can't. <laughs> no. It's a, yeah, it's a, you can't. Yeah. And you cannot. And you can't think. You can't think on two things at the same time. But again... The one thing I think uh, I always try to tell my listeners is it's a choice. Mm. 
right? I remember my pastor had said that. He's like, being hurt is a choice. I was like, what? No, I was hurt. No, I was hurt. They, he hurt me. But I'm holding on to the hurt. It is what I do with what has been done to me, how I use what has been done to me. Yeah, so it's a choice. And again, it's which path are you which path are you going to take? And sometimes the pain, especially in the beginning, when it's realized is so blinding and so you know present that it's hard, like you said, to focus on anything else. And I think that goes with with death in the family, with any kind of trauma, grief, loss. Kind of grief. And I'm gonna say this: I always say this too. In the beginning, oftentimes what happens is we like to almost make a, a, a nursery rhyme out of it, hmm. and there is some form of pleasure that we receive from the sympathy that we get from the pain. Interesting. Right. And so we, we rehearse this nursery rhyme. So like in the beginning, I always rehearse like what he did to me, what he did to me, what he did to me. Um, because I wanted everybody to look at him in a certain way and look at me in a certain way. Mm. And it, it benefited me in a certain way. And we don't realize that we, we do that subconsciously. Wow. And so when you say a nursery rhyme, please explain. Something that we just say over and over. We oh. sing it over and over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when people have people, when people experience trauma, they go back to, it's always what somebody else did to me. And that is what they'll regurgitate over and over mm. and over. You know, it's, it's, it's like a nursery rhyme. And so, but in the same regard, you get pleasure out of it because it makes them look in a certain light and it makes you look in a certain light. But in the same regard, we all have hurt people. Right. Right. And so somebody else could be saying the same thing about you. Somebody could be saying the same thing about me. You know what I mean? But we don't see it in that limelight. We don't see it that way. Yeah. Once somebody inflicts pain on you, your first instinct is to inflict it back somehow. And if you, like you just said that if you get, it seems like they're going to be negatively affected because of what they did. And you're going to be almost positively affected because your friends will have sympathy for you. And in the long run, that doesn't really help. Not at all. <laughs> but again, it all. feeds, it feeds more of that negativity. It feeds more of your mindset. It feeds that pain versus you healing from that wound. You know what I mean? It, you it, you got to heal the wound in order to realize the wound was setting you up for something greater and better. If you don't, if you don't have that, that perspective, you will always be hurt. You will always try to put a bandaid on the wound instead of really doing the work. Cause you have to do the work. That's another piece I always talk about. You got to do the work. So I, you know, I, I did therapy. Praying wasn't enough. I did therapy. You know, I believe in a holistic approach in healing. You know, you have a physical health, a mental health, a spiritual health, and putting all three together is really, I believe is what makes you whole and heal. 
Very interesting. You're, you're a very, very spiritual person. And is it hard to work with somebody who isn't, who's an atheist? No. Uh-uh. Really? Because, because the piece is you're always supposed to show God's love. So somebody who's not a believer, somebody who, you know what I mean? Who's not Christian. You're always supposed to show God's love no matter what, you know, I don't have to try to conform to you. You don't have to try to conform to me, but that is my role is to always show God's love. And that is challenging. It's typically, I wouldn't say challenging for somebody who is a non-believer, but it's definitely challenging when somebody's hurt you. When somebody stabs you in your back, when somebody lies on you, you know, when somebody steals from you, those are the places where it's harder, harder, you know? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can, I can see that. And I, I like what you said. So you actually recommend therapy, coaching, and spiritual. You actually recommend all of them. I do. I I really, I really do. And it's what, you know, I, the one thing that I, um, it's what's best for you. It's not a cookie cutter. Mm. You know, what was good for me doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be good for you. So I'm an adjunct professor at a local community college. And I always tell my students, you know, this going into like the counseling field, because I'm a school counselor as well, going into this field, you know, therapy is, is, is when somebody comes in, you're giving them a toolbox. You're showing them all the different tools in the toolbox, Hmm. but guess what? They got to figure out which tool is best for them. So what might be good for you may, may not be good for someone else. But again, the work is trying to figure out what tools are best for you in order to manage yourself. That's really what it is. Very interesting. And that discovery can be difficult because, oh, I think this is going to work and then it doesn't. Right. So then you have to figure out what works. Wow. It's no different. I always say this. It's no different than finding a good barber or a good hairdresser. Hmm. You know, somebody, some, some, somebody may be good for somebody else and you're like, oh, I like how they cut your hair. And then you hated them. Hmm. Right. Cause you have to figure out what's good for you. And that requires work. And oftentimes that's the piece that that's the piece. A lot of us don't want to do. We don't want to do the work to heal. Mm. You know, when you're trying to heal a wound and you're put pouring peroxide on it, sometimes that's, it's uncomfortable. It yeah. burns, it stings, but that's, that's that healing process. The same thing. Your mind has to go through that as well. Sometimes it's not always peachy. It's not always pretty, you know, and it, and that is okay, but you got to keep working at it to heal the wound, to heal it. Yeah. Wow. And how important is it to have a, you know, a group of support, a support group? Oh, it's so you have to have, oh my gosh. I had, so you have to have support, but remember when all you see is pain, you don't see them. Mm. <laughs> mm. So I, I myself, I didn't utilize all the support I had in the beginning. Um, I got to a point, actually, the interesting thing is the first time my husband, my ex-husband and I were um, separated, 
My parents didn't even know. My mother-in-law knew, um, and she was my support, but I didn't want to tell my parents. Um, and actually my parents have never known. They didn't know until the second time, you know? Wow. Um, and even in the beginning, I didn't tell my parents because typically when you get married, you're supposed to try to work it out. You're not supposed to always go to your mom and your dad and tell them, because if you work it out and you move forward, it's harder for parents to move forward with you. Mm-hmm. Cause they have ill will, you know, like they hurt my daughter. They hurt my baby girl, you know? Um, but I didn't tell my parents in the beginning, but my parents are very supportive. I have supportive friends. I have a support group, but again, it's hard when you're, I think the, the biggest thing is you deal with shame, you deal with embarrassment. And oftentimes you don't want to share. It's the same thing with domestic violence. So I, I, I I'm on a board. Um, where I work with domestic violence um, victims as well. And that's a huge factor because of the shame. You don't want to come forth because you had this grandiose wedding. You know, you had all the bells and whistles. Mm. And now it's like, well, look at her now. And, And all of those things play in your head when realized people are there to support you, to love you, to help you through. But again, you're so narrow-minded. You have these blinders on. Again, all you see is the pain and you don't see the support system you have. And so that's a, that's a, that's a big piece, letting go of the shame in order to be open for the support. Wow. How well said. And, um, you know, I, I know, I know people have gone through trauma and, you know, the, the the first part of it is just like you said, so blinding. There's shame. There's guilt. How could I let this happen to me? And um, it's it's absolutely terrible. I, you know, as a friend, I kind of asked this in the beginning. Is like if I want to, do you ask to be part of their support group? I mean, how do you assist? You try to be honest, like you mentioned, but you just there's just how can I help? I just feel so helpless when you see a friend going through this or a loved one. So again, it is showing, I always say it's showing love. So like I had a, I had a student who died, who was like a son to me. Mm. Um, and his mom had a hard time dealing with it. And the funny thing was, um, when, she, when he died and, and we went to, I went to the service, the mom had made a comment about me. And she said, I always thought there was something going on between you and my son. <laughs> and I was like, what? And then she said, but I didn't know you like he knew you until now, you know? Um, and so what I did for her was I literally, I sent her a card every month. I sent little messages just to say, I'm thinking about you. I love you. You know, it doesn't have to be much. You don't, you know, it's just like when someone loses someone, oftentimes we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. Mm. But being there sometimes is not, trying to figure all of that out. Sometimes it's just, Hey, I'm thinking about you. I love you. You know, you need anything today, you know, something very simple and short, you know, and, and they will respond, you know, people will respond, but it is, it is, it is just that consistency. I think that's the piece that a lot, oftentimes we struggle with when there's a traumatic event, just like, um, my, um, the young man who died, you know, once the grief is over, like once the service is over, all the phone calls stop. 
the flowers stop, the gifts stop, the food stops. And it's like, everybody's forgotten, you know? And so that's the piece, you know, it it doesn't matter the traumatic event, but people still want to know you care. And it's just an easy way just to say, hi, I'm thinking about you. Hey, you want to get coffee today? Something really simple. Yeah, just those acts of kindness go a long way, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, I had a conversation last week with somebody who works with people that get, they um, get cured or they don't have cancer anymore. And so the question is like, what do you do now? You've worked for the last X amount of months going through radiation, everything you've done and you've been walked through this maze and now you're just open. Now what do I do? It's dominated my life and, you know, the trauma of that and how they're going to, how are they going to acclimate now? How are they going to reincorporate themselves into the world now, now that they've cleared this hideous, you know, sickness or disease. And uh, that can be traumatic as well. Yeah. And actually, it's interesting you said that because I'm remarried and my husband, um, right before we got married, was diagnosed with cancer. He had colon cancer. Um, And the interesting thing was we had started a fast at our church and uh, he was like, I don't understand. I'm not eating meat and my stomach's bothering me. Um, and, and it just, it's all, it was almost like it exposed, like the fast exposed wow. the tumor and, um, and it went well. And the doctor was like, you know, he had good prognosis and, um, he did have to do chemo. And it's so interesting after, after the surgery, um, we started walking, like after we got married and, and then we started walking and after chemo, um, he said, this is like the second traumatic health experience that he's had and it shifted his focus. Hmm. And again, it's that mindset of trying to use what was done negative or what happened negative as a shift of what is going on. What is that next chapter going to be? Right. And when I turn that page, what is it? What is that going to look like? Am I ready to turn the page? Am I ready for something new? Um, and, and that is really what happened to my my husband. He um, he wanted to start a music school and he had already he was doing music lessons and he had like 20, 25 students and he wanted to start a school. Wow. And actually from that traumatic event. He started a school and actually just over the break, we took pictures. He he now has a hundred students. He has eight teachers, but the concept came after that. It sparked after that traumatic event. So again, it's also how you use Hmm. um, those times and seasons in your life as a place to say, okay, what's next? Because something has to be coming. You know what I mean? It, again, it's your perspective of this journey that we're on. We're all on this journey and you either enjoy the ride or you hate the ride. It's either, there's only two ways you enjoy it or you hate it, you know? Um, and so that's what we're trying to do is just enjoy this ride. Yeah. That's a really great story because it, 
perhaps he felt like he had been given a second chance. And mm -hmm. so with this, he wanted to do what his true love is, and that's teaching music. I mean, that's mm -hmm. a wonderful story and antidote. And we hear that often, how trauma often gets turned around. I'm fortunate mm -hmm. I get to speak to people who have bad adversity. Uh, talked to this one man today, this one young man who, you know, lost uh, over a hundred pounds. He was diabetic type two. He defeated it all. And now he wrote a book and he walks up to people in grocery stores and say, you know, are you sure what that decision is? What's in your goal? Can you imagine what's in your cart right there? Look how I used to be and look how I am now. Just perhaps just rethink that. I mean, so mm -hmm. to get people who get this second chance and to turn it around and to be able to help others is mm -hmm. so noble and so admirable and so inspiring. It is. But again, everybody doesn't have that. Right. Everybody doesn't have that. Again, it's what you hold on to. It's what you hold on to in your mind. Yeah. yeah because oftentimes, you know, if if we if we get cancer or we get in a car accident, we know medic medics come and they take care of the physical. But mm -hmm. if somebody does something to you, you don't expect that. You know, you don't expect that from another human and, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's separation or divorce or, you know, whatever, you know, just, you know, just bad acts, you know, you don't expect that from a colleague or a friend and, you know, and you're so deeply hurt and you carry that. You carry it. I actually have a, a play brother of mine who is a domestic violence victim and he, um, he has 10 children by his wife and his wife um, abused him and the children wow. and he has custody of all 10. Wow. And, um, you know, it, when he first got out, it was hard, you know, because the kids were like, daddy, how did you, why did you leave us? And he said, I need to get better so that I can help you. I can't get better being there. So he had to get better first. You know, it's very similar to, you know, when you're on an airplane and they go through all of the little steps, you know, you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself first right. before you can put it on someone else. And so he had to get better in therapy and then work through the process to get his children and then get his children in therapy. And that's been a, that has been a process. Um, and then last year he got remarried so the crazy piece is when he came, uh, when all the children came, he didn't know how to do hair. And somebody from the church, there was a young lady who knew, you know, how to do girls' hair. She fell in love with the kids, you know, interacting with the kids and stuff. And then all of a sudden they fell in love and then he got remarried. Because it's like, who would want to marry someone with 10 children? Right, right. But again, he never, and he loved being married. He loved being married, you know, and he would have never thought that someone would want him with 10 children, but you never know, you know, how, um, something traumatic can just set you up, you know, to a place where something into something beautiful, you know? Yeah. Uh, what a, what a, what a happy, happy ending there. That's wonderful. Do you, does one always need to forgive someone who has wronged them or hurt them? I think you do. You won't ever forget, mm. but you need to let it go. Um, because if you don't, 
it, it still plays in your mind. You know, it, it, that it, again, the nursery rhyme, it still plays in your mind. And I truly believe even for me, there are layers of it. Um, so even sometimes I have to say when my ex calls me, I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) and I have to say this, I've really been blessed. He wasn't mean. He Mm. wasn't nasty. Um, he still supported my son financially. He still, he still supported my son now. My son's 20, you know, in college, you know, uh, it wasn't contentious. It, it wasn't nasty. We didn't have a bitter divorce. Who's going to get this? I didn't have any of that. Again, I held on to the rejection, you know, mm. although the rejection, it just set me up for something greater. Um, I literally went from someone who never wanted to be married to someone who always wanted to be and never was Mm. totally it's polar opposites. You know, I've never been loved like this before in my life. And the, and the interesting thing, and I always call it watering. I've never been watered like this before in my life Mm. um, by a man. And, and the interesting piece is people are seeing my fruit. So my podcast developed from his watering of me who thought, Hey, this will be a great idea. I think you should really, you have a voice, give other women a voice. You know, I, I've never been watered like this before in my life, but again, it was because of my ex rejecting me, me letting go, me embracing the new, you know, letting go of holding on to the rejection, embracing the new Mm. and just allowing someone else to love me. That's very, that's, that's absolutely incredible. And, uh, I, I just, I, I happen, I, one of the, of course, one of the great lessons in, in the old Testament where we learn where Job had many things taken from him and eventually mm-hmm. what happened. And, and we see that, you know, he was, he was seven times over. I'm not sure what the number was, but he was eventually mm-hmm. blessed more than he had ever been with healthy children. And, uh, yeah. we don't know. Yeah, we, we don't know. And and by the way, uh, you mentioned your son a couple of times. Wonderful picture of you and him on Instagram. You have, or he has your smile. It's just, it's just wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, what can we do as, you know, th- th- just the issue of trauma, it just comes up and up, I, you know, obesity, overweight. I just happened to talk to this young man today. And just at the base of that, I feel is trauma. You know, people, you know, overeat, they're addicted to food or they're addicted to whatever it may be, shopping, or they're addicted to whatever it may be. And just facing your trauma and getting a support group and talking to people about it just makes all the difference. It does. You know, it's interesting because you, 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 when you said that word the last time, it made me think about my son, actually, you brought him up. Um, and I would say the last year of high school is when he, um, told me that he was bullied. Um, and we never knew. Uh, And it has been traumatic and he has dealt with it or tried to deal with it, you know, and he's been in therapy before, but he's tried to deal with it. Um, but then he's also kind of, I don't want to say been bullied, but he's also been um, traumatized by his dad a little bit. His dad is um, 
very strict, very direct, but then his father didn't have a father. Mm. Um, and so I've always tried to help my son have the perspective of it's hard for someone to love when they've never been loved, mm. um, or never been showed love. So like his, his father's household were his parents lived like, I love Lucy, like Lucille Ball. They lived in separate bedrooms. Yes. So if you're married and live in separate bedrooms, you have separate, you know, things that you do. You're mm. never together, only at holidays, um, almost just together, but separate. Um, and that's how he grew up. So he never really had his dad. So his dad really didn't know how to be a dad. Um, he did the best he could. Dad is supportive, you know. Um, dad is, you know, he loves him the way he, he feels like this is how it should happen. But there, there was some friction there. And so my son has been traumatized by, you know, and I had said to my son, I had asked him a question. Who are you? Mm. Do you really know who you are? Or is it the fact like, what, what are you holding on to? Cause I, I am a very lovable mom, very lovable mom. And for some reason you held on to the voice of others versus the voice of your mom hmm. who was your biggest cheerleader who was your biggest supporter you gravitated to that voice more and so the piece with trauma is what do you listen to what 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 do you listen to you you typically are gravitating to those false assumptions those false narratives those false things that are speaking negatively versus really who you are. You know what I mean? So with the bullying, you know, even with domestic violence, you're listening to what the perpetrator is saying to you. Mm. I'm ugly. I'm fat. I'm this. Even with the obesity, typically even with obesity at a younger age, they were bullied. Mm. That's where the wound happened. There's always a place where the wound happened. Right. And if you don't address, again, you got to address the wound. Typically, people always think about everything that's happened after. You got to go back to the root of the thing. Mm. Where did it start? When did it start? And so that's something that I'm trying to work with my son on dealing with. Like, who are you what they say you are or are you what you say you are? Mm. Who, who, who are we believing? You know, but again, that, that again, that's look, that's a whole nother conversation. Self-esteem is wrapped up into it. Yes. You know, self-identity is wrapped up into it, you know, but you got to get to who you are, you know, and, and listen to the truth, you know, and the truth is in you. The truth, the truth is in you. Sometimes you just don't know it's in you. Wow. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And unfortunately, there is societal kind of stigma with males, you know, oh, you'll be fine, just kind of bury it, you know, you know, yeah. just deal with it. Unfortunately, but you know, boys don't cry, you know, yeah. um, you know, there's these kinds of things. And, you know, just just as if it was a physical wound, you get it treated, you work on it, you get it to heal. A lot of times we just kind of let those non physical things go. Yeah unfortunately and then they fest and sometimes the even the physical wounds you think about it they don't heal right mm. 
Because you ain't doing what you're supposed to do to make it heal Good right. Point. Either the mess, the medicine, the cream, whatever. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. You yeah. didn't get it. You didn't get attention to it. Yeah. And you end up with a big scar or an uneven bone or something. And so, uh, we talk uh, on the podcast about discipline, you know, uh, people ask me how I lose weight and like, I have some magic, you know, bullet or something, you know, I, I just say discipline. I just changed the way I did things. I, you know, I wanted to see my daughter grow up and my doctor said, you're not going to, if you keep doing what you, you know, so I just changed the way I did things. Do you consider yourself a disciplined person? I do. I, I actually do. It's so funny. So like, uh, you know, I'm a school counselor and um, over the next week and a half or week and a few days, we're on virtual learning, but mm. staff are supposed to be in the building. Well, you might as well say all of the teachers, they are not in the building. That's right. But I'm in the building wow. because that is what I am supposed to do. I've always been kind of that way. Hmm. I do what I'm supposed to do. Now, you know, there have been times I veered off, especially in my 20s. Lord, I don't want to repeat. I don't want to repeat my 20s. In my 20s, <laughs> I veered a lot. Hmm. And that's another thing I had to tell my son too, because I think oftentimes whatever religion you're in, you know, I think it's easy as an older person to forget when you were younger, you know, like the things that you did, if you weren't that disciplined, you know, things of that nature. I think that like young people need to hear that. Like not young people need to hear. I made a lot of mistakes. I'm still making mistakes at times, you know, but I've always been um, very, I've been pretty disciplined. Um, like even with education, for some reason, I've always, I've loved education. I've been in school a very long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took me six years just to get an AA degree uh, <laughs> because I worked, you know, um, but I kept pushing. I kept pursuing um, because I, I just felt it was just something that I wanted. Um, but again, it, it, it takes work. Discipline takes work, but in the same regard, you know, it, it comes, sometimes it comes with time. Sometimes people have it right away. It just depends, you know, it, it just depends. But if it's something you really want, then you got to go after it. That's right. Yeah. And, and the reward will be so much greater knowing that you, you know, you force yourself, you made changes to, to get that goal. Yeah. So like, for example, I told my son over the break, because my son lives in North Carolina and I told him, um, okay. So he, he, you know, told me he was struggling. I said, okay. So I know I've raised you. I know I've, I planted seeds in you. That was the only thing that I was supposed to do is plant seeds. Now you have to water it. You have to cultivate that ground. I can't do that for you. That's the discipline. That's right. So if there's something that you need, if you need to find a therapist, then find a therapist. You have health insurance, find a therapist. Again, I I you can't you cannot heal through me. You got to, you know, it's like you can't learn God through me. You got to learn God for yourself at this mm. point. You're an adult. You can't rely on my faith. You got to you got to learn how faith works on you. You know, I, 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 I've done my work. I, I, I've done. I will help guide you 
But the, again, the journey is a personal journey. Mm. You know what I mean? Once they get 18, uh, from there on, it's a personal journey. And, and they got to hit those bumps in the road because the, that's the thing I think a lot of adults, um, we struggle with with adult children, mm. you know, because we want to protect them from the bumps. No, they got to learn the bumps and the valleys and the hills and the mountains. They got to learn. And, and if they don't learn, then they're going to keep coming back to you to help get them through. No, they got to learn on their own because one day we're not going to be here. That's right. We're, 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 we're not going to be here, but that's a personal journey, you know, that he has to discipline himself to do work in school. He has to, I can't do that anymore. Yeah. I can't make you. I, <laughs> we can't make people. That's look. You can't make people do anything. That's right. That has to come from within you. If you want, if you want to be, if you want to heal, if you want to go to school, if you want to mend a relationship, you know, whatever the case may be, if you want a promotion, whatever the case may be, you know, um, that comes from within you. Yeah. Like you said earlier, you can help show them some of the tools, but then they have to use them and apply them. They do. Like I said, it's a personal, it's a personal journey, but oftentimes people put the toolbox in the corner Mm. Mm. because they don't want to do the work. That's right. Yeah. It's got to, getting better, getting better requires work, you know? And unfortunately we as a people are not all, you know, in the beginning of the year, we set goals. We set new year's resolutions. Typically it is about our physical health. Mm. But it's not about our mental health. It's not about being a better parent. It's not about being a better husband, a better wife. We don't read books on that. So, so I, yeah. <laughs> we should. You know, every uh, I have two daughters. They're both in college. One's at University of Maryland, not too far from you. Yeah, That's where I graduated from. Yeah, she's a turf. She's a freshman. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, and every year, uh, at the end of the year, I say, what's one thing I can be better at as a father in, in the, in the new year. So I put it on them, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, they give me really good feedback. And, uh, like you said, we have all these resolutions about physical, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to, you know, whatever finances, but but oftentimes we don't think about relationships and our loved ones. We don't, we don't, we don't. And even getting better within ourselves, you know, we just don't. Absolutely. Reverend Dr. Marisha Stewart, what motivates you? What? Oh, that's a good question. I've never been asked that. You know what that is? It's me. Mm. I motivate me. Um, you know, there, there have been times when I'm not motivated, but I've always been, I have to say, ever since I was a little girl, my mom my mom planted some good seeds in me. And the one seed that she planted in me, and she always said this to me when I was a little girl, you can do anything you want to do. Just make it up in your mind and do it. Mm. And she said that to me over and over. I said that to my son over and over. But I don't know. Girls and boys are a little different. (laughs) (laughs) But that's something she, I mean, she instilled in me. um, And I just believed it to my core. So much so that I've never been afraid to try things. So when I was younger, I was, I, 
I was a professional clown. Uh, I really? got my nail. I got my uh, manicure and license. Um, I used to have a paint, a, a nail business, paint party business. You know, I have always pursued. At one point, I, I was into real estate. I had a high, you know, um, um, I had a house. You know, I was renting out. I've always pursued things. I've always been motivated to try things and do new things. I've always had that in me, you know. Um, but I would say it's me. Like I, once I think of something or get an idea in my head, I'm just like, ooh, I think I can do that. So like even with my podcast, you know, I had mentioned it to my husband and he was like, yeah, I think you should do it. Mm. I was like, let me figure it out. I started out just using my cell phone. You know, I didn't really know. And I just started, you know, um, but again, it it is me. But I, I, I truly believe it's the seed that my mother planted. I got to give her that credit. But she mm-hmm. always believed that I could even with my doctorate. You know, um, I have to say, like in college, I was a C student. I was never a straight A student until grad school. I wasn't until grad school. But again, C's get degrees all day long. <laughs> all day long. But again, it was something in me that I just I just kept that drive going. I believe it's my grit. I really have a strong grit hmm. um, where I'm always trying to pursue something, reach something greater. Mm-hmm. How inspiring. And how do you measure success? Ooh, that's a that's a good question. I can't say it's, I can't say, I can't say it's money. Um, I have to say it's living your best days Hmm. through, through all of it. It is, it is how you live this journey. That is success, you know? Um, And, and I truly believe success always is connected to, you should always be pursuing something to be better. We should always be striving for, you know, whatever is personal, spiritual, whatever the case may be to be better. And to me, that's success. So I shouldn't be the same person I was last year. I should be better. That's success to me. Wonderful. What wonderfully said. There's just always room for improvement. I, I, I thank you so much for your time today. I enjoyed so much talking to you. I, I hope everybody does as well. Tell us how we can get in touch with you. Your, your Lioness Queen podcast is excellent. You've got some great accolades. You got a lot of great downloads. How can we get in touch with you? Yes. So I am. So my website is www.iamthelionessqueen.com. Um, my Facebook is Lioness Queen. Instagram, Reverend Dr. Lioness Queen. Yeah, I'm Lioness Queen everywhere. <laughs> and you can find my podcast on pretty much every um, podcast platform out there. You you most certainly are Lioness Queen. Thank you so much, Reverend Dr. Marisha Stewart. I really enjoyed this. And uh, uh, next time I'm in Maryland, maybe we'll all get together and have a cup of coffee. Yes, sounds good. <laughs> Very good. You be well and have a great day. You too. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Pinn's Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website, www.joeypins.com. 
there. You'll find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Podcast information, the video version of our podcast is on YouTube. Please subscribe. Audio is on all major podcasting platforms. Please follow them. And if you like it, please consider giving five-star rating. Would really appreciate that. Would you like to financially support the podcast? You can go to our Patreon site. Consider $5, 10 or $20 a month. There's all kind of plans that we have there. It's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? you be the judge. You can go to our PayPal account to do that as well. Thank you again for listening or watching Joey Pinn's Discipline Conversation.